This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. We're talking about blessed. Turn to your neighbor and say, blessed. And then say to someone else, you are blessed. All right, that's what we're talking about. You're blessed. The people around you are blessed. And we're going to believe God to do more this morning than before because you're going to learn more about blessing. Now, here's my biblical definition of blessed. We've been using the whole series. Here it is. I am chosen. Will you, in fact, write this down somewhere? Put it in the back of your Bible. It's worthy of praying over every single day and reminding yourself that I am chosen. That's what Ephesians 1.3 says. You're chosen. You're predestined. God put his hand on you before you were born. Psalms 139. God has something good for you. The paths of the just are a good path. It's, they're brighter and brighter every day. There's more hope. There's more faith. Come on, people. Say a big amen. amen. You have a great future because of Christ. Because Christ is working in your life. You're chosen, you're favored, and deeply loved by God. Unconditional. He doesn't love you just when you do good. He loves you all the time. He loves every bit of you, even the sinful part of you. He loved, but he loves through the cross, knowing that he will clean it up. Christ will clean it up. But God loves us, even with all of our faults and all of our problems and all of our weirdness and peculiarities. God loves us. How many of you are glad it's unconditional love? Come on. That's the way God loves you. He doesn't wait until you get it all together. And then he says, okay, now I'm going to bless you. Not that way. You're blessed because of the cross of Christ. You're blessed because of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're blessed because God has ordained blessing to fall upon the seed of Abraham. And the seed of Abraham is the seed of Christ. It's the same thing. He's the father of all who believe. And Christ is the one who birthed that belief in you. And so you are favored by God. And God is seeking ways to bless you. Now this is true. Biblical. He's trying to find ways to bless you. He wants to surprise you. He wants you to have Christmas 24-7, 365. He wants you to have good things coming your way. He wants you to expect good things from him. When Jesus was giving the whole parable about the Holy Spirit, and, they, and he says, what do you think? When you pray to the Father, he's going to give you a stone or a serpent or some other weird present. When you pray to the Father and ask him for a gift, don't you know that he's a good father and he's going to give you a good gift from above and it's going to bless your life? Why? Because God is good. Not that you are good, but God is good. Because God is good, everything that comes to you is good. Can I hear an amen? And so there's good things on their way to me. It's amazing how an attitude can change what you receive. If you have an attitude of receiving and you expect good things to come, like this definition where God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm looking for ways to bless you. And I want to say to God, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you find ways to bless me. I'm going to list them out. You can read my petition. You can do whatever you want. I want to be blessed by the living God, used by God to bless others. I will freely take all I am given and use it to bless others. Read the last part with me. I am given and use it to bless others. Come on, the whole line. I will freely take all I am given and Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Now turn to your neighbor and say, do you need money for lunch? <laughs> Whoa, that got a response. Today I'm a receiver. Okay, Genesis 12, 2 is our text. 
that I will make you a great nation, personalize it. That's what scripture's for, is to personalize it. This is a historical account. I want to give you a secret about interpreting hermeneutically Genesis 12, the whole chapter. I'm going to give you a secret. Read Romans 4. If you want to know what's behind the scenes to this scripture, the historical account, what happened to this man named Abraham and how God called him out of the Urchaldees and God says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to lead you and you don't even know where you're going, but I'm going to build you a house. You don't even know what the house looks like and you're going to come to a land. You don't know what the land looks like. I'm going to do so much in your life. It's, it's way above anything you can imagine. You have to go to Romans 4 and read what Abraham thought when that came to him, when God says, I'm going to make you a great nation, Abraham says, how? I don't have any seed. There's no, there's no heir. There's nobody after me. I'm 99. Sarah's 100. He married an old woman. <laughs> and, and he said, should Sarah and I, you know, you know, and, and Sarah laughed. <laughs> and she said out loud, this is in your Bible, where she says, should me and my master play again? <laughs> That's what she called it, play. It's a good thing for teaching couples. So, but this is mixed, so I won't teach what it means to play. But they both laughed. They both laughed just like you're laughing. None of it made sense. There was no way for the promise to be fulfilled. And Abraham, it says that he wavered at first, but then he caught himself, says, I will not waver in faith. This is all in Romans 4. Get the behind the scene of what a person does when they receive some kind of a radical promise. I'm going to make you great. <laughs> I don't have anything to make great, God. I, I don't even have a family. I don't have hardly any livestock. And I, I, you know, I live in the area of Chaldees, which is a nowhere place. And it was a nowhere idol worshiping place. And Abraham's saying, just how's this going to happen? That's what promises are all about. And that's what we're talking about today. The promises of a blessing how radical they are, how different they are. And yet when they come to you, and they are coming to you, they have already come to you, how do you handle them? I will bless you, and I'm going to make your name great. That simply means I'm going to make you successful. I'm going to lift your name up. I'm going to make you a person that other people will envy. I'm going to make you a stumbling stone for some people. They'll look at you and they'll say, how in the world? Is Abraham so blessed? And that's exactly what happened to him his entire life. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to all three of them, they were a stumbling stone to everyone else. People could not understand it. How were you so blessed? How can this happen when Jacob went down to Laban's house and he spent seven years down there and then he comes back and, he, and it's all for working for one daughter and then the other daughter, then it's 14 years and then before you know it, so much time has passed but, but Jacob is so blessed beyond measure with his livestock. Laban says, don't leave me because you are so blessed. Whatever you do with the livestock multiplies like beyond anybody I've ever seen. And I want to keep this blessing, so don't leave me. When Jacob left, it was all about him leaving Laban without the blessing. And Laban was so mad about that, he tried to kill him. But Jacob was blessed beyond measure. Isaac was blessed beyond measure. Joseph was blessed beyond measure. Moses was blessed beyond measure. Aaron was blessed beyond measure. And you start going through the whole genealogy of the Bible of those who took the covenant of Abraham, and they were all blessed 
both in the natural and the spiritual. Everyone say it with me. The natural and the spiritual. Say it again. In the natural and the spiritual. Now, I'm all for the blessings of the Lord and the spiritual because that's where it starts. Accepting Christ, water baptism, get filled with the Holy Spirit, read your Bible, pray, witness, reach out to people, send missionaries, go on a missions trip, help the poor, help the widow, help the orphan. That's all Bible. I'm all for that. I'm all for you being spiritual. But I would also like you to think of yourself as being a potential successful person that you would be successful in life, that you would have more than enough to give. You would have more than enough of an overflow that you can bless people anytime you want because God has made you successful. He's made your name great. He's promoted you. He's blessed your business. He's blessed your income. He's brought surprise money to you. You work hard. You give hard. And God blesses you hard. He tries to get in there and shake up your world and pour a blessing upon you that you cannot even contain because the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. And so when you start receiving the blessing of the Lord, you realize there's no sorrow to this. There's no guilt. There's no shame. I'm, I'm actually able to say, I'm blessed and I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. And I want to bless you. It's a wonderful thing to walk out of a service and maybe give somebody some gas money or find a, a college student that can help me get my water. Thank you. Thank you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Dylan. Come back. When I grow up, I want a haircut just like that. <laughs> he can't grow a beard yet, so he's got his hair. Okay. Learn to bless people all the time. Bless them with a $5 gift, a $10, $20. Bless the kids when they go to camp. Bless young couples when they buy a home. And Think about, just look around you all the time and say, I bet they could use a toaster. And, you know, I'm going to go buy them one. So you ask a funny question. Do you have a toaster? No, we don't have a toaster. And so you buy a toaster, take them, you're blessed. You feel good about it. Or you give a college student 50 bucks and say, you know what? Go out and eat somewhere because I know the, the food on the cafeteria floor there. I mean, not the floor, but in, in when they... <laughs> when, when they serve the food up there, it's good food. It's, it's healthy food. Supernaturally, it's healthy food. And so you go out and you eat. And it's a great thing to go out and eat when you're in college. Come on, it's a great thing to go out. You might even go to a smorgasbord that only is for senior citizens. But you go there because you want to eat and someone has blessed you with a little bit of money. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you need anything? Some of you are not talking to anybody. You're just talking. Do you need anything? Do you need anything? <laughs> very smart. Very smart. All right. Faith harvest is what? This is what it's all about for our church. We gave $1.1 million last year, and we only have two more messages today and next Sunday. And I'm at Mill Plain next Sunday, by the way, Mill Plain. And so faith harvest is my time to lift my eyes, which I'm already doing, have done for the last two months, really. Lift my eyes to the needs of others. Okay, what can I do for Faith Harvest this year? To bless others by giving out of God's blessing in my life. Now, I'm building this message on the thought that you're already blessed. If you make more than $37,000 a year, you are in up to the 37. If you make 37 and down, you're in the top 3% of the world's salaries. 
You're not in the top 3% of USA, but you're in the top 3% of the world. In India, you're considered a very wealthy person. Almost in any other country, you have 40,000 a year, you're considered a very wealthy person. You drive a car, that's an elite group of people that have cars. You have your own home, more than 600 square feet. That's an elite group of people that have large homes. Anywhere in the world that I travel, that's an elite group. So stop thinking that you're not blessed and you have a small home and just a regular Ford little purple car and, you, and you're working your, your job and you're, and you're eating out probably once a week or twice a week or some people more than that and you're going to be with your friends and you have barbecues and you have money to buy the chicken and, and the meat to put on the barbecue. You are blessed. Come on. I want everyone to admit it. I want you to admit it. You're already blessed. The worst thing in America is comparing yourself to Bill Gates. Okay, you're not a Bill Gates. I'm not a Bill Gates. But I'm a really good Frank Damasio. And Frank Damasio will give out of what he has and God will judge me not according to what I don't have but according to what I do have. And that's what God will look at my life and say, wow, Frank, you're better than Bill Gates. I don't think so because Bill gives a lot of money, millions to charity. I just wish he would give some to us. Let's contact Bill Gates. <laughs> Let's send the boy an email. He gives away millions. I would love to give away millions, but you know what? I have. Through you and through me, over the last 20 years, we've given millions. Billions. Above the tithe, above the general, we've given millions. More than one, two, five, or eight, or ten. Millions. We gave a $100,000 check to Dennis Balcom in China one Sunday when he was here, we just gave him a check right on the spot, $100,000 for China, out of Faith Harvest. We bought buildings in Uganda, in Cambodia, all over the world. We've helped building programs and missionaries and church plants. We have given away millions of dollars. Can somebody shout a big amen? That's what it's all about. Supplying the water or doing whatever we can do. Why? Because we lift our eyes. This is what motivates me to give for Faith Harvest. And out of my blessing, I bring a special offering. It discourages me every year, and I have to watch it as a lead pastor, not to look at what the church does, but I mean, look at what they do, not what they don't do. Because if everybody got involved with Faith Harvest, it could be amazing, an amazing multiplied millions amount of money. Last year, about 900 giving units out of 1,600 giving units got involved. That means eight or 900 people chose not to give at all. What I say to the church every year, make your choice. Don't let me condemn you or bring you to any guilt or shame. If it's not your year to give and you're waiting for next year or somehow you don't have a, a burden or a faith for this, it's just not you, then that's your business and I know that's between you and the Lord. But as for me and my house, I would love for you to follow the lead pastor and the rest of the pastors and try to get involved with Faith Harvest. It's what our church does. It's how we, it's how we help the poor, 
the orphan and the widow and the missionaries and the nations and water and food and things and our own city and all the buses that come in and out with our stitches program and our children's program and our live love Christmas programs and everything we're doing with the city is all driven by faith harvest it's not driven by the general fund so when you give to faith harvest you're doing exactly what the early church did they collected funds and they gave to the poor they gave to the needy they divided it up and they made sure everybody could be blessed you're blessed by faith harvest because there's some families that lose jobs during the year they can't pay their electricity or their rent and they're going to get ejected out or evicted or whatever they come to us we help them through the hard time we don't do it twice for them or three times might only be once but still we have money set aside to help the community of faith that we have right here some 6,000 people that call City Bible Church home there's money there that we bless those people out of the Acts 2 fund and give to them and get them through the hard spot and get, etc. All of that is because you lifted your eyes and you considered yourself as a person blessed and you gave $100 to Faith Harvest. I would prefer 1,600 people gave something than 900 people doing everything. It would, just as a pastor, it would, it would feel like, wow, the church really got a hold of this. If you're a visitor, don't be offended by this. The Bible is filled with giving. And, and Christianity is a giving community. That's what we're supposed to talk about. We are supposed. Now, we don't eat all this money ourselves. We don't just spend it on ourselves. It is spread wide and deep every which way. But City Bible Church would not be City Bible Church if it wasn't for Faith Harvest. It pays for a lot of stuff that we do that we didn't have money for. The police thing that we have right up here. I tell you what, we have no more security problems. Why? Because they're here all the time. We're putting the police station now over in Mill Plain, a rest spot for them, because we have serious uh, security things in that parking lot over there. And we used to hear people coming all the time. Not anymore. Our police people are watching out for us all the time. They're driving around the building. They're checking things out. When they come in, they're looking for anybody suspicious around the college. They clean the whole thing up. It would have cost us thousands to put in cameras and security and hire more security guards who don't even get to carry a gun. What's with that? And so you have all these people that are supposed to keep us from all the evil, and all they can do is call it in and wait for someone to help. We've done that for years, and it didn't really get us very far. Now we have the real McCoy. They have a gun, they have a badge, and if they shoot the bad guy, it's their problem. <laughs> Nothing to do with us. They are bona fide policemen. All right, the promises. All right, here we go. We're just... For a few minutes, we're talking promises. The promises of blessing upon my life are real and wonderful. That's what the Bible says. Today, today, everyone say today. today. Come on, 217, talk to me. Today. today. Mill Plain, today. today. Rocky Butte, be quiet. <laughs> the promises of blessing upon my life are real and wonderful. Today, everyone shout today. Right now, I lift my faith to a higher expectation level and grab hold of all that God has promised me. Grab hold. Over hundreds should be hundreds, not over a hundred, but it's literally thousands. It's more than a thousand promises in the Bible. Some say as many as 3,000. Some say over a thousand, but it's somewhere in between a thousand and 3,000 promises in the Bible that God has promised you. Okay, next slide. The promises are the ground 
for hope. Now, if you read Romans 4, you'll understand the battle he had with hope because Abraham looked at his body and he said, I have no hope for this. Nope. But I'm going to hope. That's what Romans 4 says. It's a mighty stance to take. It's the stance I took when I was fighting cancer. My body was showing signs of withering away to nothing. I mean, I had lost 60 pounds even before I went into the battle for cancer. And then I lost even more weight. So I was way down to low. The doctor said, you've got to concentrate on gaining weight. You've got to eat more. I had no appetite to eat more. I had to force myself to eat a piece of toast. I had to force myself to eat a pancake. I had to force myself to... Uh, other food would just make me sick. I couldn't even do it. I could drink a milkshake, but I could not eat a hamburger. And so I had to hope against hope. Even though my body was so thin, I look in the mirror, and actually I would say to myself, oh my God, is that you, Frank? I didn't look anything like Frank. It was, it was just a shadow of the way I used to be. And everything gone, you know, all this, all, all my weight's gone, and I can't walk, and I'm in a wheelchair, and I'm leaning over, and the doctors are looking at me, and someone comes along from my church, like a Mark Jones or Mark Estes or all the people that visited me. They would say, Frank, we believe you are healed. You're going to be healed. The healing has already started. Hundreds and thousands of people are praying. And I would have to watch hope against hope. Because if I would look at the hope that I see, it doesn't look good. So I have to hope against the hope I can't see. And that's what it says in Romans 4. Abraham hoped against his body. He says, okay, I'm dead. Sarah's dead. No way in the natural this is going to happen. I have no heir to carry on the promise. But I'm going to hope against hope. Against hope. Expectation when you have no ground to expect anything good. Assurance of what God says he will do, but you don't see any signs of what God said he will do. I, I prayed prayers of healing and prayers of success over my life during the last year, but there was no sign of it. You know, the doctors told me different things the whole trip I took. It was always a different thing every time. I was in with specialists three times a week, and I would hear different things, and it certainly was not faith-building. It certainly was not hope-building. It certainly was not, wow, we are going to get through this. It was always a maybe and if, and this is what happens, and your percentage is this percentage, and this is what happens with people your age, and this is going to happen next. And, and I had to almost shut that out and concentrate on the invisible realm, which is really, I think, what saved my life, is to concentrate on the God who can do what man cannot do, and the God who sees me healthy, and and I could see myself walking down the aisle to preach again. It was like a dream way, way, way out there. For me to be in the pulpit again or to be in the ministry again or, or to be living again and for me to do what I'm doing right now, which I love so much, I will thank God every minute, say thank you, Lord, for letting me pastor and for healing me and letting me speak again and be around all these wonderful people and, and feel the Holy Spirit and be able to bless people still the rest of my life. But it was a faded dream that was way out there. Laying in that bed, I could hardly see it. And then people would say it, and I'd say, I, I know I need to say it, but I can hardly see it. You have to say what you don't see. That's right. You have to say, pray, grab, believe, hold on to, stand what you can't see. 
So whether it's the job or the healing or the marriage or the relationship or whatever it might be in your life or the finances you face right now, you have to see in the invisible realm, not the visible realm. Not the visible realm. And if you learn that, your life changes overnight. And the promises become the ground for expectation. What? You start hoping and expecting greater things. Assurance of what God says he will do. 1 Kings 8.56. This verse should be circled in your Bible and, and prayed as your prayer. According to all that he promised. That is, God, Jehovah, Elohim, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Makedeshagim. All the names that could be put here. There's nine of them. All that he, he, he is that invisible force God that has all of heaven, all the resources promised. And then it says, there's not, there has not failed one word of all his good promises. When I look at that scripture and I look at my life, it tears come to my eyes. I get emotional. Why? Because that's my life. Not one word has fallen to the crown. What God promised me when I was 17, 18, 19, I'm still living out. Not one word fell to the ground. No one else could see what God called me to do. The prophecy sounded ludicrous, to tell you the truth. And the scriptures I got sounded radical for a guy to believe at my age or even to try. But somehow, I did believe it. And somehow, I did see it. And somehow, I believed that God's book worked for me. And not one word, not one word has fallen to the ground. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Everyone shout the word yes. yes. When Jesus died on the cross, all the promises from the Old Testament and all the promises yet to be written by all the authors of the New Testament books of the Bible, Jesus being the person who knew no time because he's God of flesh, he's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the manifestation of the Father. He is the one who is eternal being. He's the word made flesh, but in his flesh he was not limited to the word that made him flesh. He was only limited by the God who created him, and so he was an eternal being. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he took all the promises in both hands, and he said, yes, yes. And the church says, Come on, church. Yes. And we agree with Jesus and we say, yes. In the cross, in Christ, nothing's impossible. God can do all things. Now, those who are working my slides upstairs, I want you to go to, uh, I'm going to skip over some notes because I'm so good at this, I'm going to skip them. <laughs> I'm going to go to the bold expectation. Okay, I'm going to give you seven one-liners I want you to write down and pray, pray, pray. First of all, a promise gives you bold expectation. This is what I mean. Now, this one definition would be worthy of preaching. Just this one definition right here would be worthy of praying. Making room for supernatural blessing. Supernatural blessing obviously means beyond me, above me, extending my borders, and Yugoslavia, they were going to bury a, a very young Catholic uh, nun nurse. But the Yugoslavians would not let the Catholics bury her in their seminary because their seminary 
only had other religious people that could be there. So what happened is they allowed the Catholics to put a tombstone with her grave outside of the fence so she wasn't in, in the graveyard. They put it outside the fence. Well, during the night, some of the nuns came and moved the fence. <laughs> they moved the fence so that she was in with honor, the burial area. Sometimes God comes into our life even though we have tombstones built and experiences that we had and he simply moves and stretches the fence beyond where we are. He's a fence mover. So even though you stopped and died with a certain promise or you can't have hope or you won't have hope or you died in faith or you went after something that didn't happen or you were disappointed or you were hurt or you have unbelief and you waver with the great nation, the great name, the blessing of the Lord and the blessed others and you waver so you put down your roots in a tombstone that shouldn't be there. God doesn't move the tombstone. He moves the fence. He just extends his blessing beyond where you are. Even though you stop, God doesn't stop. He says, you have more coming your way. You think it's over, it's not over. Can I hear an amen? amen? While I was studying for last week's message, and I was writing out some stuff on the notes, up comes an email. This is no kidding. This is exactly how it happened. And I was writing out some notes that talked about liberality, 2 Corinthians 8, and those who gave not only according to their means, but beyond their means. And everybody tried to stop them because they were too poor to give, the Macedonians. And so Paul says, but they gave beyond their own means. Nobody, nobody told them to do that. But they gave not only in their means, but way beyond their means. And everybody went, you can't give that. You can't do that. That's too much for you. And they said, we will be part of the blessing too, even though we're poor, we're going to get beyond our means. And, and as I'm writing this, in comes this check. This year has been a leaner mean money year for our family, so we don't have the same we had the year before. I have not done anything for a year, not traveled, not written any books, not appeared anywhere, not done anything. And so that affects like a business, kind of the resources that come to me from outside. And as I'm writing, an email comes, so I check it out. And the, the company that we applied to to uh, give us money back on our out-of-pocket expense, we applied for this much, and they had two denial letters. And, and I'm not really keeping up with all this, but Sharon is. And I said, Sharon, there's uh, in my computer two denial letters on, the, on what you asked for. She goes, it doesn't matter. She says, I didn't know if they would give anything. I says, well, let me open the email and see what they say. Open the email, and they denied the two smallest things we asked for and gave us a hunk of money. And I said to Sharon, just think, this company is giving to Faith Harvest. They don't even know it, but they're giving to Faith Harvest. How good is that? I'm a conduit instead of saying, ooh, New suit, new shoes, new groove. Let's go, baby. Let's go shop. Let's go make it happen. I've been in the hospital. I deserve a new hat, new glasses, new shoes. I'm going to go out and spend some money. I don't need to spend any money. I have enough shoes. I have enough of everything. But I felt right then, thank you, Lord, you brought in faith harvest. Why? I have bold expectation for supernatural blessings. 
Okay, expectations fixed in your eye. Don't put up any more expectation slides. I've said enough. Now, write these down. I'm going to give you some things to expect. Very quickly, very easily. It'll take me two minutes to say it. Remember I said that. It'll take me two minutes to say it. Times two, times three, maybe, but... Number one, expect this, expect this. Expect the blessing of God to come on your home and your job and you. Expect it. Pray it. Pray it every day this week, seven days. Pray it into December. Pray it into the first of the year and say, Lord, I expect the blessing of God, the full blessing of God to come upon me and my life and my job and my college and my career, all the promotions you have for me, everything that you're going to do with me. Lord, I'm expecting this thing that they have been talking about. Number two, expect to be honored by God. I believe you're an honorable person. And if you are, 1 Samuel 2.30 says, for those who honor me, what a scripture, 2 Samuel, I mean 1 Samuel 2.30 for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me, they should be lightly esteemed. That means they won't be recognized much by God. But if you honor God with your life, honor God with your mouth, honor God with what you have, honor God with your smile, honor God by helping the poor and the orphan, there's huge promises that come with helping the poor and the orphan. We do both. There's huge promises for helping the nations that do not have, and we do that. And so those promises are not just for an individual, but collectively. I'm saying, Lord, I honor you with my tithe, my offering, my faith harvest, and I want you to honor me. Number three, expect the favor of God. The favor of God is an edge, an advantage that God gives you. And that advantage that God gives you is an advantage to be successful. Now, successful could mean different for every person in this room. For me, success would not be money. For me, success would be the church grows with more souls and people get saved, baptized, and become members and grow the vision that we have and touch our city and the nations of the world. I would feel the dream is coming true and this is what it's all about. It's what I sowed my life for. This is, this is the dream that I've always had. I'm doing the dream I always had. This is it right here. I'm not looking for something better. I'm not looking for a church over the, over the hill somewhere or some other congregation. You are it. I will live and die with you whether you like it or not. So you're it. Why? Because I love you with an everlasting love. I believe in you. I believe you're honorable people and the favor of God is upon you and the favor of God is upon us. And God has blessed us. Wow, I, I mean, he has blessed our church. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Pastors ask, how does that happen for you? I don't know how it happens. We don't try to get blessed. We just... Get blessed. We get people giving us things and money and opportunities and the city, the city is wide open to us as we've served them for three decades, four decades, five decades. The city, and we can do anything. Well, let's do anything. Let's make it happen. Number four, expect to live generously. Every stingy gene in you, I cast out in the name of Jesus. Every fear, reasoning gene, I cast out in the name of Jesus. Every so much future planning that you can never do anything now, I cast it out in the name of Jesus. 
The only way you'll ever be a giver is to take advantage of the now. Not plan way out there, well, I'm going to give when I retire because we'll have a retirement check. You'll have that covered, and you might spend that check out there. And maybe you should. Maybe Jesus will say, do it. But right now, what do you have? When the prophet came to the widow's house, she says, Elijah, I need a miracle. The famine came in, and my wife, my husband's gone, and me and my son are going to die. We're cooking the last meal right here. This is the last meal, and we're dead. Elijah says, okay, what, what, what do you have in your house? Funny question. What's in your house? She says, what do you, what do you mean, what's in my house? Do you have any oil? To make food with the grain, mm, just a tiny bit. Well, take the vessel of oil, put a big vessel next to it, and listen to my word. As you pour the oil into this empty vessel, you will never lack oil, and you'll never lack grain. I'm going to multiply it as you pour it. The woman says, well, I'd rather just have a straight-up miracle. He says, I want you to collect every empty bottle, can, vessel, everything you have in your house. And when you do that, I want you to go borrow. This is in your Bible. I want you to go borrow from everybody in the neighborhood. Do you have an empty bottle? Do you have an empty vessel? And I want you to come put them all over your house. And the oil will pour as long as you have vessels of receptivity. But you've got to put them out there. Where's your faith to live generously? Either you're going to live out there are you going to start putting vessels in your house and say, okay, I have $26 to give. I'm going to put it in the oil. I have 250 I have 1000 I have, or I'm believing for. What's your empty vessel? You'll never know how good it feels to have a miracle of finance until you get to the place where you have to have one. Then all of a sudden, miracles start happening. I would like you to have a miracle of finance. I would like you not to live check to check. I would like you not to have no money in your bank account. I would like you not to worry about your kids or your grandkids. I would like you to have such a flow of faith and blessing that you can see your kids and your grandkids will be blessed and you have more than enough and you have plenty of empty vessels and you're believing God for a miracle of generosity to pour into your house. Everyone that's believing that for themselves, lift your hand. Come on, lift your hand. Every hand lifted, give to start the oil. I would be a liar. I would be a liar and not a good pastor. If I told you it doesn't matter if you put seed in the ground, it doesn't matter if you make room for the oil, it doesn't matter if you have faith or not, it doesn't matter if you give or not, it doesn't matter if you stretch or not, it doesn't matter if you sacrifice or not, the Lord knows and just kind of go on with life, it doesn't matter. It does matter. And you have to have a seed sown into the ground and that seed might be the one that will move the mountain a month from now or a year from now. You know what the doctors told me straight up? They said, Frank, you know what saved your life? This is at the end of my treatments. You know what saved your life? I said, I'm all ears. You're bike riding. You came in such good shape. Your lungs, your body, your strength for the age you are. You're, you're a 54-year-old, not a 64-year-old, in the strength that you have. 
And so we had to work on that, and that was the turning point of the treatments you took. You could have never taken these treatments. Who would have known when God told me, get on the bike? Wow, this is fun. <laughs> Riding downtown, feeding the bums, parking next to the, you know, the no people that have no food, bringing them sandwiches. That's what I did on my bike rides. I went and bought sandwiches, fed the poor downtown. They were embarrassed that I did it. I wasn't embarrassed, but they didn't like me doing it the first time. They said, why are you doing it for us? I said, I don't know. I can't do it for me. I said, I want to do it for you. And for a long time, I set the food down. They wouldn't come get it. There was about 15, 20 of them. They knew me. I'd bike there, stop there, prayed with them, talk with them, laugh with them, but they wouldn't touch the food. And I said, explain it to me. Why aren't you eating the food that I bought? And the one guy, one young guy, probably 20, he says, it's embarrassing. And I thought, Frank, why didn't you think about their dignity, about them as a human, driving over there with my bike, carrying these big bags of food? Hello? I'm going to feed the poor. And you're it. <laughs> I'm going to feed the needy. You fit. I learned a lot from those people on how inhuman I was toward them. They said, we don't like people doing this for us. It's embarrassing. It says that we have nothing. It says that we're the lowest of humanity. We can't even buy a sandwich. He says, that's not true. I said, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. But I said, would you please eat the food this time because my wife's going to beat the snot out of me. <laughs> If you don't eat the food, she's going to hammer me. What happened to the food? They wouldn't eat it. Well, why didn't you bring it home? I can't ride with it. I said, they said, okay. Then they all started eating the food. I forget why in the world I'm telling you that story. <laughs> I totally, totally into biking. Okay, okay. You, you don't know what little thing you do that will help you through the storm you don't see. But it's what you sow, it's what you believe, your act of faith. It was my biking for about a year and a half that built my body because I had a storm coming that was going to wreck my body and if I hadn't have prepared myself, it would have killed me. I thank God for cyclists. How many of you are cycling? Don't quit. You might have a storm coming. Well, that helps everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Frank. We believe that. Okay, real quick. I got to end here. How many are enjoying this message? How many, how many more than enjoyment on every campus now? 217 Mill Plain Pearl, listen to me. You're being stirred inside. Something, something is, come on, how many are being stirred inside where you are actually seeing yourself? I'm going to be blessed. You know what? I'm tired of not being blessed. I'm sick of this. I'm, I'm going to come against this thing and I'm going to be blessed and have everything God has for me and God has for others. Number five, expect to receive from all resources, everyone around you, not just your job. Like that check I got from an insurance company. Now I have enough faith not to eat the whole seed. Oh, yeah, bless God, hallelujah. 
Hawaii, here I come. Thank you, Lord. I've been thinking about it. First, I want to bless others. I'm not greedy. I'm not a, I'm not a closed conduit. Remember what I say all the time? If he can get it through you, he can get it to you. But if he can't get it through you, he has a hard time getting it to you because he understands it won't go through you. But if he sees you as that generous person, you give away your happy meal, he comes with more happy meals. Next time you get a happy meal, the guy gives you two or three you know, certificate things to get free Happy Meals because he knows you're a Happy Meal person. And the more Happy Meals you give away, you get more Happy Meals. You know, when my wife and I gave away our seed for our house, which was a $3,000 seed, I can tell you that because it was a long time ago. I was only 26 years old. It was our first house. First thing we did as a young couple, we had saved the money. Sharon was a legal secretary, made 900 a month. We saved her whole check, part of all my honorariums even back then. And so we had this little nest egg that was really a lot of money for that age and that time. Lord said, give it, give it, Frank. Give it, Sharon, give it. I struggled like Abraham. I wavered. I can't see this. Doesn't make sense to me. Other people don't have $3,000. All they have to do is, Lord, I want to give $3,000. Give me $3,000. <laughs> okay, I got it. There it goes. There it goes. Like Ken Bauman said to me, how does it feel when you know you have it? Ken, we taught together during those years. We were both in the same offices upstairs there. And Ken knew we were struggling with this. And Ken says, how does it feel? You have the money to give. All I have to do is believe for supernatural. I could have slapped him in the face. <laughs> but I didn't. I'm a blessed man. I hold back. <laughs> but I gave it. You know what? The seed for the house made that seed become a house seed the rest of our life. So buying and selling houses has been an amazing blessed thing for the Damasios. We made Almost 70000 off the house that we bought remodeling. So we made almost $70,000 on it. She sold 3000 made 70000 So I put it in percentage. Say, Lord, I'm going to sow again. <laughs> Doesn't always work that way. But for us, it became a house seed. Expect resources to come from surprise, insurance, uh, tax returns. You can give Faith Harvest until about June. You don't have to give it all right now. We pace ours out right through June. Are the bands coming? <laughs> if you don't come, I'll keep speaking. <laughs> Number six. <laughs> Expect to see a breakthrough into the blessing storehouse in heaven. Expect to break through to the heavenly storehouse. Why? It's full. The Bible says it's full of good things. It's full of treasure. It's full of blessing. It's full of favor. It's full of open heavens. It's filled with the word multiplication. I want the storehouse of heaven to open to me. Can you all say amen? amen. All right. Number seven, expect victory in warfare to keep, to keep the blessing that comes upon you. Why? Every blessing has an attack and a test. I'll tell you next week how to handle that. Every blessing has an attack 
and a test. What do you do to keep the blessing of the Lord upon you? Don't miss next week, the next exciting episode, as we tell you not to give up your blessing. All right?